1: the power of their data. Wasabi, another Boston-based championship team. You're listening to the Fly the W670 podcast. It's episode
2: 23 at season two. It's a Matt Mervis miracle, and in this segment,
3: Crowley's talking to Alex Krutchik from the Fly the Stripes podcast to talk about the Cubs-Marlins series this time at Wrigley Field. Joining me now on the Fly the W podcast, we welcome back Alex Krutchik from the Fish Stripes podcast to talk about the Cubs-Marlins series, this time at Wrigley Field. Now, Alex, I, I know you've had your hands full with the Braves, but we have been on a road trip from hell, got swept by the Marlins, and now lost three of four to the vaunted Washington Nationals pitching staff. Not good, man, not good
2: yeah as as bad as this week was for the Marlins at least they get to say that they were playing a very very good team with World Series aspirations it is frustrating to go into Washington DC these days and get beat like that those are the teams that uh, you're supposed to beat up on it was it was the one team that the Marlins were so great against last year if it wasn't for the Na- if the Nationals didn't exist uh, the Marlins would have won 45 50 games last year so it stinks to not be able to take advantage of those, but you're going know, back to the friendly confines.
3: Thank God, man. They've just been a disaster. Now, last time you and I talked, it was funny. We, we always do a little segment, uh, who's hot, who's not. And you talked to me for your hot, you mentioned your bullpen. You, you mentioned uh, Florio and A.J. Puck. And I said, okay, you kind of threw me for a loop there. And I said, my not was the Cubs bullpen. And how eerie was that that, You know, the Cubs lost every single game by one run. And in two of the three games, the bullpen coughed it up for the Cubs.
2: It's unfortunately a very similar sight because it was kind of the same thing the Marlins dealt with last year and the year before, where you play all these. And of course, it doesn't help when the team isn't great and they play a lot of close games. You put your bullpen in a position where they got to close down a lot of close high leverage games. So I sympathize with you. It is rough to lose the game that late.
3: Yeah, it's just been you know, and and you know, look, if you're telling me you, you know you're facing a really good pitcher, that's something. But the Nationals, come on, man, you can't. I mean, it, our bullpen's not good, but at the same time, if our offense isn't getting any runs against mediocre pitchers, then that's kind of on us too, you know.
2: Exactly, yeah, especially the rotation. The rotation is definitely not the national strong suit. They don't have a whole lot of strong suits right now. (laughs) Uh, But of all of the position groups, it's got to be the rotation for them that uh, you got to jump on.
3: Absolutely. And so, like I said, last time that we were talking, you know, it was – national or I'm sorry the Marlins took uh two all three all one run games and you know a lot of it was kind of like we predicted except for that game 3 we thought that it would be a I don't know I thought that would be the one that the Cubs could- and it didn't happen that way. So if we look, the you know, the game starts on Friday, May fifth. it's a one twenty start. Now, I saw you tweet out earlier. you heard the news just in the nick of time. The cavalry has been called, and Matt Mervis is coming to the majors, one of our top prospects. So very exciting for us tomorrow at one twenty.
2: Yeah, tell me a little bit about him. I am a little familiar with him, but what's his deal? How long has he been? in the organization for it's always nice to see guys like that get called up so early
3: well matt mervis was in 2020 he went undrafted you remember it was that weird five round draft and so he doesn't get drafted the cubs sign him as a free agent and what ends up happening is 2021 was not that great and then 2022 the guy absolutely killed it he he finished second with uh, the most uh, home runs in there, but he went from high a all the way to triple a. And every time he went up a level, his K rate went down and his home runs went up. And so we we're kind of like, okay, this is uh, just, and, and and the guy just hits bombs, hits bombs. And so we're like, okay, who, who is this guy? Is he the 2021 version? Is he the 2022 version? He came out of Duke and this year he's mashing it still. So we call him Mash Mervis and uh, he makes his debut. I mean, we knew Eric Cosmer was just kind of – you know, the, the, the people think he might still be here and, and they may option Edwin Rios down, don't know, but that's the question is what move they're going to make. But the way that this offense looked the last week, just abysmal road trip, they had to do something to shake it up.
2: Exactly. And I don't have the numbers to back this up, and I'm sure every front office is different. I've always been under the impression that when a team – the earlier in the season that a team calls up a prospect, the, m- the more valuable – They see them. This isn't uh, an August call-up where half the lineup is hurt or something. This is early on, so I I I gotta believe that the Cubs see a lot in him, and that not only do they see a lot in him, but they see a lot of him, a lot in him now in the present.
3: Well, that that, that's the thing, and so you know, as it comes to town, the pitching matchups a little bit different this time. Uh, This time, game one, Justin Steele is going up against edward cabrera i think in the last series cabrera started against uh who did he start against caleb killian that was the game where you know we weren't sure who the who the tbd was it ended up being killian and i guess he hadn't pitched in 10 days and guys jumped all over him right away five nothing but uh, edward cabrera i mean it was that whole You know, the Cubs just had so many opportunities and and they struck out 16 times. I mean, it was ridiculous. Uh, You remember that, you know, Cabrera walked the bases loaded and then all of a sudden Cubs just couldn't do anything. They couldn't score any runs. It was a disaster.
2: It was a very stereotypical Edward Cabrera start because he gives up the five walks, but it's only three hits, two runs, and he strikes out 12 guys. Uh, Half of those strikeouts – or sorry – Four of those strikeouts were from the curveball. Four of them were from the changeup. Like I mentioned last week on the pod, curveball is among the best. It's him and Charlie Morton. Um, last time I checked in terms of uh, run value, uh, according to StatCast, for that particular pitch. Um, he's a guy where if he can just figure out how to throw strikes and how to throw strikes without, while still maintaining his low uh, hit rate, he's going to be unstoppable because those pitches are nasty. But – he walks guys. Like you mentioned, he walked the bases loaded. He walked five guys total, um, and, and that's not out of the ordinary for him. I think that's on the high end, but it's not th- that much higher than what he's been doing this year, the five walks.
3: And, and you know, you asked me last time about Justin Steele and what, what you know, great story of a kid drafted by the Cubs, six innings, he gave up seven hits, two earned runs, and one walk. So you know, it was three strikeouts. It wasn't his fault that they lost. They just couldn't get any run support for the kid.
2: Exactly. Yeah. It's a shame when that happens, especially, especially with the younger guys. Um, You know, the Marlins have had their fair share of stuff like that. It's always good to, to score a lot of runs just to help the young guys psyche.
3: Right. And then Saturday, this one is Drew Smiley versus Brian Hoeing. And that was, that was the one, Hoeing went against Steel last time, and that was the one I had in my pencil, like 100% Cubs victory, and nope, it didn't happen. He shut down the Cubs, who, you know, I think he's the only guy that they that did Hoeing's shut down so far, right?
2: Yeah, yeah. Uh, Brian Hoeing was probably, if I'm remembering correctly, one of the more effective starters that weekend. He gave up, uh, what was it, two runs or one run? I have it in my notes right here. Uh, he, he gave up... He gave up two runs in five innings. And for a guy who didn't even crack the opening day roster, he's only up here because of injuries. He I, he wasn't even their sixth option. It was Braxton Garrett is their spot starter, but there's two injuries in the Marlins rotation right now. So now Brian Hoeing's up up here. If he can continue doing that, if he can continue giving the Marlins three or four runs with five innings every every five days, uh, that would be awesome. Um, and then, and then Drew Smiley, that'll be an, an interesting one. I didn't know that he still had, uh, this kind of performance in him, I guess, uh, 283 ERA. How's he looked up there?
3: Oh man, it's been phenomenal. He had one bad game that very first start of the season. And since then he's just been absolutely locking it down. He's three and one 283 ERA. I was at the game. It was a Friday at one twenty, and he had a perfect game going. All the way, God, was it the seventh or eighth? I think it was the eighth inning, man. It was eighth inning, and it was just ridiculous and just closest I have ever gotten to seeing a no-hitter, and that was a perfect game. So he, he's he's absolutely been clutch for the Cubs, and so he's he's looked great. The last, last few starts, I mean, just, you know, gave up one run against Washington. He gave up two runs against San Diego, and he gave up uh, no runs against the Dodgers. So you guys did not have a chance to look at Drew Smiley yet, but if it's what he's been doing lately... I don't want to jinx it because I think I jinxed the Cubs the last time, <laughs> the last series. But uh, if, we can, if, if, if he can keep doing what he's doing, it's going to be something else, man. The guy is special.
2: Yeah, I won't make you jinx him, so I'll do it for you. Any Marlins fans that are listening to this pod, Drew Smiley's whip right now, walks, hits, innings, pitch. It's the lowest that it's been in his career. It's .91, which means that in terms of walks and hits, he's giving up less than a base runner per inning.
3: Yeah, it was one of those bizarre things where last year the Cubs had a lot of guys on, and they did it again this year, one-year deals to flip them later, and there was two guys. There was Wade Miley and there was Drew Smiley, and both of them were really injured, like from the, especially Wade Miley, but Drew Smiley as well, and so he had like no trade value at the deadline. And then in the second half, he got healthy, and my God, he just went on a run, and then this year is just continuing. So it was weird because he didn't look that good in spring training, and that first game didn't look good. And since then it's clicked and he has been rolling.
2: Yeah, of course. I, I think that'll be one of the one of the wild card matchups of the weekend. Cause I have no idea which version of Brian Hoeing will get. And it'll be interesting to see if Drew Smiley can uh, keep this up.
3: Well, that's, that's the thing, you know, I don't know why the Cubs, I, I'm sure other teams say the same thing, but sometimes they struggle against pitchers they haven't seen before. And and that's what I'm hoping second time around. And the fact it's such a quick turnaround it gives you hope that maybe maybe this time around they'll do something. The offense has got to do something. Now, the last game on Sunday, so these are all day games, all 120 as God intended, uh, and, and it's uh, two guys that uh, n- neither team has seen. Uh, Sandy Alcantara did not pitch in the last game, and Hayden Wisniewski did not pitch in the last series. So I'm looking at Sandy's numbers, you know, 1-3, 509 ERA. I mean, that's not what we usually expect out of Sandy Alcantara.
2: Yeah, so there's a couple things that I've noticed about him this year. And, again, I I, I said uh, something similar last week. I'm not a talent evaluator. I'm not a pitching coach, so I can't tell you what it is mechanically that's going on. Um, but when you look at the stats, uh, the first thing that is glaring to me, uh, he was able to go uh, deep into ball games last year mostly because he uh, – would go through the lineup a third and fourth time and guys still couldn't figure it out. So last year I had the slash line here. Uh hitters were uh hitting two thirty-nine against him last year, the third time through the order, uh with a three fifty-nine slug percentage. That is an insanely low number for the third time through the order. This year, third time through the order, hitters are batting four fourteen with a six ninety slug percentage.
0: EBay Motors is here for the ride. Remember when you first saw the potential?
2: First time through the order, he's doing fine. They're hitting 105 with a 237 slug percentage. So I don't know if he's being too predictable. I don't know if he's tipping his pitches. I don't know what the issue is. For some reason, the third time through the order, he just can't get it done. Uh, against the Braves this last week, uh, they only went one for four against him, but he gave up three walks on the third time through the order before he got pulled. Uh, so it's that. Um, I also think... That he's, well, I don't think, I know, he's not inducing a whole lot of ground balls. His ground ball rate has dropped by about 10% this year, so teams are hitting it a lot more in the air, whether it be line drives or fly balls. Um, I'm sure that he's going to get back on track. He is perhaps the hardest worker in the Marlins clubhouse. I know it's a cliche, they're all hard workers, but he is, he is head and shoulders above the rest. Um, he's smart, he is a hard worker, both physically and mentally. Um, And then Mel Stottlemyre, the the pitching coach for the Marlins, is amazing with the players. So I am not concerned about where he'll end up this year. I'm sure he'll be fine. The only thing I'm concerned about is when will he be fine.
3: Right. And uh, the Cubs are going to be rolling out Hayden Wisniewski. He was acquired in the Scott Efros trade with the Yankees. So he's a 2019 draft pick from the Yankees. And he came up last season in September, and absolutely just blew everybody away. I was at the, I was at that game that he debuted. He kind of he he piggybacked with um, uh, Wade Miley actually, and it, it just was nuts. The guy comes out there and just absolutely rocked it, and and Wrigley was absolutely jumping. He went five innings, gave up two hits, eight strikeouts, and the whole month of September, the guy's doing the same thing. I mean, for the month of September. Uh, he had a 2.33 ERA in five games, 27 innings pitch. He gave up 20 hits and seven runs, um, but he had 27 strikeouts to six walks. And so, when when you know the, the spring training came, he was obviously in contention for the fifth starter spot. There was him, Javier Assad, Caleb Killian, who you guys saw, and a guy Adrian Sampson, who's a kind of a journeyman guy, but had a pretty good season for the Cubs last year. Um, and he, he looked phenomenal in spring. He literally looked, you, you would, you could argue Stro, um, but, but definitely looked better than pretty much everybody else on the Cubs rotation. And then for whatever reason, and you know, when the season started, something just looks off and, and I can't figure it out. The slider is just not, there's a lot of pitches that just are, you know, they're not fooling anybody right away. They're just uncompetitive pitches. And so like, he's falling behind the count. And then there's a lot of batted barreled balls going up against him. And so that's really the concern right now. His slider was really that pitch last year. That was just absolutely wicked. Even if you knew it was coming, you're still swinging and you look goofy when it's in the opposite batter's box this year, just something just looks off and I, I'm just waiting for it to click. I haven't seen that one performance. Now he hasn't been bad. I'm not saying he's been bad. He just hasn't been what, you know, the fans kind of came to expect coming into this season. So, um, you know, he's had a couple, a couple good starts, you know, and, and luckily he's also kind of had some starts that, you know, he faced Oakland, you know, which was kind of his best game so far this year, uh, struggled against Seattle and, and he did good against the Dodgers, you know, but we only went four innings and gave up three earned runs. So I don't know, uh, just kind of waiting for it to kind of, you know, kind of gel a little bit. He's last few games. He played, you know, Washington, he went six innings. He gave up one run. Not, no, not bad there. And then against San Diego, he went five innings and gave up one run. So not too bad there, but you know, just just struggling a little bit. Oakland was his strongest start by far, but that's not saying much. Seven innings pitched, seven strikeouts, you know, one walk. And that's what we were hoping is that all, or I'm sorry, no walks. We were hoping that was going to be kind of the game that really turned it around for Hayden, but not really happening yet.
2: Yeah, yeah. O- Oakland is everyone's strongest start. Everyone's just itching. Everyone's got that Oakland game circled. Everyone wants to get on that Oakland flight right now.
3: Yeah. You know, and, and when I think about the last series, the one thing I kept thinking about is I think the Cubs got Babbitt to death. I mean, it just seemed like you guys just kept putting the ball where they weren't. And then the team speed surprised me. Like it just, I don't know if you guys still are stealing bases like crazy, but that was just something that like, Oh, every time you got a hit, it just seemed like hit stolen base, another flare. And then that's a run. It was like, come on. It was like, you know, these 70 mile per hours off the bat. And, you know, it wasn't like our guys were getting rocked or anything like that. It was just, I don't know, man. I I, I told you this beforehand. I don't know why. And I, I went and I looked at the numbers and there's nothing that says that I'm right. I just hate it when they play in Miami. And it seems like the Cubs were hitting the crap out of the ball and they were dying at the warning track. And your guys were hit going like 60 miles per hour. And they were going right in between the infielders and the outfielders.
2: The Marlins have definitely built a team this year that is... Um, More focused on just putting the ball in play, which I think works to their strength. Um, Whether it be bad luck or bad development, they just haven't been able to develop a whole lot of power hitters here the last few years. So I think that they have finally um, leaned into that. I think they finally leaned into, okay, instead of power, just put the ball in play. When you have a roster like this and when you play in a ballpark like this, it works out a whole lot better in order to consistently hit home runs in that ballpark, you have to have generational power, uh, like Giancarlo Stanton, even Marcelo Zuna when he was down here. And they haven't had that in a while. Even guys that have power, but it's not generational, I would say, like Garrett Cooper, like he's not going to hit 40 home runs at Marlins Park. Um, so they have definitely – it's not all in your head. They definitely made it an emphasis to – develop players and to acquire players that just hit line drives, put the ball in play, and we will go station to station.
3: And, and, and see that, that's hurts us as far as the bullpen is concerned, because the bullpen, we don't have a lot of strikeout guys, a lot of pitch to contact guys. And so it's like, you know, that's all you need is just that again, a flare stolen base and another flare and that's a run. And, And, and in those close games, that's what happened. Now, as it comes to Wrigley, we're about to finally get back into some warmer weather again. We've had some really cold, miserable weather up here. And so the games are looking like they're going to be in the uh, low to mid-70s. So I think that as as bad as this road trap was, and again, one in six versus, no offense, the Marlins and the Nationals, and you can only get one win out of all of that, and and it felt like the Cubs were rolling, Cubs are coming back, licking their wounds, and hopefully, this is what the Cub fans are hoping for: is that Matt Mervis provides that jolt, that energy. There's going to be a lot going on at Wrigley Field this weekend, uh, celebrating the 25th anniversary of Kerry Wood's 20K game. Matt Mervis up there. There's an autograph signing outside of Wrigley with Kerry Wood. I think it's it's just I think the atmosphere, the first bobblehead giveaway. We have these great bobbleheads this year. I think the energy at Wrigley this weekend is going to be rocking. But I, I really, I, to me. And again, it's where I'm nervous because Cabrera had such a good start last time. If all of a sudden the Cubs start really struggling with runners in scoring position like they have all road trip, I think the crowd's going to kind of get down quickly. So that game one to me really is going to be a tone setter.
2: Yeah, and you mentioned the weather. How is the weather up there? Is it starting to warm up? And uh, what's the wind situation up there as well? Because I know there's a certain time of year where the ball goes out to the outfield. There's certain parts of the year where it just swirls around.
3: It's, it's always unpredictable. So we are going to be in the seventies this weekend, chance of rain Sunday, but the wind is always kind of bizarre. Usually in the early months, April and May, uh, the wind blows in the Hawk wind off Lake Michigan. And that's where you just aren't getting home runs. And then, and then in the summertime it blows out and that's when you kind of get the crazy games. Um, For anyone that's uh, interested, there's an app, it's called Wrigley winds and you can kind of click on it. And that's just telling you how much is going in. So right now, the wind is blowing to the left field foul pole at 6.6 miles per hour. So it looks like the wind is going out on Friday and out on Sunday, more little on Friday than Sunday, and then Saturday looks like a crosswind. So that's that wind that kind of blows from right to left.
2: I'm gonna download that app and I'm gonna I'm gonna post my findings before each game. Be the be the Marlins uh, unofficial weather guy.
3: Well, I got, I got, I got my degenerate gambler friend and he, I, I introduced him to the app and he loves it for the overs and unders. So, yeah. you know, you can, you can make some money that way, but yeah, the winds of Wrigley is a great app. And, and I, I always look at it before I go out there just to kind of see, okay, what do you expect today? And, and, and that's where, where the Cubs are trying to kind of, you know, have a lot of ground ball pitchers and stuff like that to keep the ball out of the air and, and hopefully, you know, negate some of that. And, and, and so, like I said, I, 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 I felt like it was a good, good, it was a good series. I mean, I can't believe they came back in that Caleb Killian start, they were down one run and they had so many opportunities to come back. It's just, it didn't happen. And so this, this has got to be, you know, you don't want to say any, any series is a must win series, but it just feels after everything that happened in the last week, it would really be important to kind of get off to a good start here with Miami.
2: Exactly. No, no, you're right. In terms of momentum, because Mathematically, it's not a must-win series for either team. But in terms of spiraling, um, you definitely don't want to go 1-6 and against the Marlins and the Nationals and then lose another series to the Marlins. And I'm sure the Marlins think the same way. They don't want to get swept by the Braves and then go in and lose to the Cubs or get swept by the Cubs. It's one of those things where, again, not mathematically a must-win, but you don't want to spiral this early.
3: Right, and not only that, but there's another team that is in bad shape, and that is our hated rivals, the St. Louis Cardinals, who come in right after you guys leave. So it would be absolutely huge to just get a little bit momentum and fired up for the Cardinals, because, you know, this is what they always say, and I'm sure you can say the same about Marlins and uh, Braves, is that you know it doesn't matter when it's Cubs, Cardinals, throw the records out, it's it's take your take the take the gloves off, and it's going to be a brawl. And with Wilson Contreras making his first. Um, return to Chicago in a red uniform, it, it's going to be wild. So I got to just, like I said, these next six days to me are important, and I would just love for it to be a, a rocking good time with nice weather in, in the Chicago area. Definitely could be. Definitely could be. Well, I appreciate you, Alex, for jumping on again. It was good talking to you so quick after. And uh, hopefully, who do you guys have after uh, the, after you leave Chicago?
2: Um, then they go and fly to Arizona to play the Diamondbacks. Ooh. They're, uh, they're an interesting team the first month, so that, that'll be a good measuring stick game because they were also, the last time I checked, uh, doing pretty well. Yeah. Um, but uh, it'll be a who's who next week.
3: Well, you guys took three, so I think it's our turn to take three. And then after that, Alex, I wish you good luck, and I appreciate you for popping on here. And who knows, stranger things that happen in baseball, maybe we have a postseason show. We'll see how it goes, all right? Sounds good. Thank you
2: for having me on again, Paul.